0: What U.S. president's mother refused to sleep in the Lincoln bedroom?
1: (laughs) 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 I love it. And who was the very first Super Bowl halftime performer?
0: Answers to those and other questions coming up in this episode of The Off Ramp with Bob
1: and Marsha Smith.
0: Welcome to the off-ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and get some perspective on life with fascinating facts and tantalizing trivia. We do this each week for the Cedarburg Public Library, Cedarburg, Wisconsin, and today, Marcia, I am asking you what U.S. president's mother refused to sleep in the Lincoln bedroom and
1: why. (laughs) I'll bet she thought it was haunted because it is.
0: Well, that's a good one,
1: it, but that's not why.
0: No, that's not it. Oh, first, who was it? Whose mother
1: refused? I, I, yeah, I'm thinking. Oh, can't give me a century.
0: The twentieth century. Okay,
1: so I'll say Bill Clinton's mother. No. Uh, Harry
0: Truman's mother (laughs) Margaret Ellen Young Truman Because? Because her family were Confederate sympathizers In fact, her brother was in the Confederate Army
1: Oh my God Harry
0: Truman's uncle Wow Shortly after he became president, Harry Truman flew his 92-year-old mother to Washington, D.C. For the first visit to the city and the first visit to the White House Uh It coincided with Mother's Day weekend (laughs) And he played a joke on her. He escorted her into the Lincoln bedroom, and he said, Mama, if you have a mind to, you can use this bed while you're here. She said, What? Sleep in that bed? That man used?
1: Oh, my.
0: She was from Missouri, which was a border state, and she'd been alive a long time. When she was 12, Abraham Lincoln died, and even though it had been 80 years since the Civil War, she never got over the South losing. And apparently, this story got around. It was in the New York Times and several other places. The family denied it, but... Most people think it was probably true, because as a little kid, twice, she watched the family farm get raided by Union troops or Union raiders, and they actually had to move off of their land. She remembered all this. So she came to hate the Union and its blue federal uniforms. And here's an even funnier fact about that, Marcia. Okay. During World War One, when her son Harry Truman walked into her farmhouse in his National Guard blues, she said... I don't want that uniform in this house, Harry.
1: I'll be darned. Oh, my God.
0: So even though he grew up being the president of the United States, she did not like the fact that the Union won that war.
1: Wow. Harry he came a long way, didn't yes, he? Yes, he did. Wow. It seems unseemly, does it, Well, butt? a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. Let, uh, it's family. Okay. All right. The Super Bowl Bob, who was the first halftime performer or performers in 1967?
0: I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm thinking of up up and away, who are those people? The Fifth, fifth Dimension. Dimension.
1: Oh, that would be good.
0: So who was it?
1: It was college marching bands. Oh, no kidding. They were
0: the halftime performers, of course. The traditional halftime entertainment was marching bands.
1: People like Al Hurt, uh, Carol Channing, even Ella Fitzgerald, they all performed with or around these marching bands until 1993, when one singular sensation took the stage. Guess who? Michael Jackson. Oh, no kidding. And he blew everybody out of the water so with So he that. was
0: the first, that was the first show where it was only the superstar and his team yeah. doing it. Yeah. I'll be darned.
1: And he took up the whole 15 minutes, as so you can well imagine. So 26
0: years for them to get to that point. That's yeah. interesting.
1: Well, that they did have, you know, guest celebrities yeah. and multiples.
0: I saw here on the list, George Burns even was on stage. What the yeah. heck is. Somehow that <laughs> And Mickey not... Rooney. How did they do? What did they do? I <laughs> How would did they
1: like... frenzy up the like crowd? I'd like to see
0: that uh, that, that stage show. Uh, that they... was with a band, with yeah. marching bands. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So since then, we've had every kind of halftime show you can imagine. Pretty hip-hop, much
1: superstars of the day.
0: Hip-hop, country, rock, everything. Every kind of flavor that's out there, which is wonderful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That it's so many different things. Prince, Prince. Uh, Paul McCartney, the Rolling Stones, all these great groups. Mm. And none of them perform for money.
1: No, not a penny, but the NFL does pay their transportation fees. But not (laughs) for
0: the show. The show is free. Yeah. It's their opportunity to have the largest audience in the world.
1: Yep. Okay, great. Okay. Where is the world's largest underground city, Bob?
0: The world's largest underground city? Hmm.
1: It's hard to believe but it's 18 levels underground. Wow. Where yeah. was this? In Turkey, in the semi-arid region of Cappadocia. Okay. And tourists go there today, Bob, and you can meander through tunnels and walk among the subterranean rooms, stables, schools, wineries, and even a chapel. Holy cow. Imagine that all underground. At its peak during the Islamic raids on the Byzantine Empire in the 7th century, it housed up to 20,000 people. So that, that is blows amazing. my mind. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, They no used idea.
0: candles and they had 20,000 people down there? Candles. Well, I mean, how else did they light the place? I don't know. And, and this
1: is 1200 BC.
0: 1200 BC.
1: Built a whole world down there. But they had wineries, so I'm in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they needed to drink if they're living underground Gosh Oh, my goodness, yeah. that's amazing It is Is there a name for the city? Derinkuyu
1: D-E-R-I-N-K-U-Y-U
0: Darenkuyu is the name of the underground city Yeah Okay, you were talking about football a moment ago Here, I've got a question for you You know, Sunday night football, you know, that theme, the Sunday night football theme that Carrie Underwood sings Yeah, that's great Okay Gosh. How many different versions of that Sunday night football theme must be prepared in advance?
1: Oh, because they have to do all the different teams. different
0: teams. No? they don't do it every week. It's all written out in rhymes yeah, that's and right, everything. Of course. Oh, so my there's gosh. an awful lot of permutations. Yeah. NBC Sports says Carrie Underwood records eighty five. Oh my goodness. permutations of the rhyming line okay. every year. ok. She has to record. and they do it in one session, a single day. 85 different permutations of the rhyming line. Oh, wow. So they just drop in the rhyming lines yeah. for the different teams and they, everything. They
1: know the teams in advance, but they don't know what the rhyme will be, You know, the, what, what they're hot at right at that moment. It's,
0: isn't that interesting? That's
1: very interesting. Yeah.
0: Anyway, that's according to the New York Times.
1: Okay. Well, that, that's fascinating to me.
0: You've heard of the Ford Model A and the Ford Model T. Yeah. How many letters of the alphabet did Henry Ford use for his cars.
1: Well, you know, just as you said that, I was thinking, what happened to B, C? I don't think there. I think there were only two.
0: Well, actually, he did use all those letters in his attempts to improve the Model A car. Now we think of the Model A as a car that followed the Model T, and there was. Okay. But. He used all of those letters. Some of the alphabet numbers were completely experimental cars that never reached consumers. Others were sold to the public. The Model K car, that was the biggest. It was a limousine that cost $2,000, which was a huge sum back in those days. Wow. It was also the worst seller of his alphabet cars.
1: It was a limousine?
0: $2,000 limousine. This is back when that was a lot of money. The Model N, four-cylinder car, sold for $500. His experience with the N and K cars convinced him that the future in automobiles lay in producing inexpensive cars. Hmm. That was the Model T. That was the result. It was so popular he couldn't keep up with the demand. And that's what prompted him to try a new type of assembly, the assembly line. Eventually, the Model Ts were made so efficiently, one rolled off the assembly line every 10 seconds.
1: That's pretty amazing.
0: But you know, the problem with the Model T was one color, one model, that was it. Yeah. So, he introduced a new Model A after the first Model A in 1903, a new Model A in 1927 to replace the Model T, multiple colors, multiple body styles.
1: Okay, Bob, where is the highest birth rate in the world?
0: The highest birth rate in the world, the most Uh babies being born.
1: Right, per woman. We're talking the birth rate.
0: Per woman? Yeah. Oh, so the most babies per Per woman. Yeah. Okay. Is it in America? No. Is it in Europe? No. Is it in Asia? No. Is it in Africa?
1: Yes. I knew it was in Africa. (laughs) (laughs) You're running out of countries, Could have been in
0: Antarctica. It it could have. (laughs) Uh, But no.
1: Yeah. Not much going on out there. So what's the
0: rate per woman?
1: It is almost seven children per woman.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's
1: hard to believe. And where is that? It's in Niger. Jeez. Niger, South Africa. Okay. It's the highest fertility rate in the world, and that's followed by Mali. Molly. M-A-L-I.
0: M-A-L-I, okay. Which is
1: six-something.
0: That's a lot of babies per woman. Oh, my God. Can you imagine that? Yeah. I got a couple more automobile questions here. Okay. What automobile was named for the strength and durability of early American pioneers? Say again. What automobile was named for the strength and durability of some early American pioneers? It makes sense when you hear the name, but I never thought of it before.
1: Oh, gosh. Early pioneers. Early
0: pioneers. The automobile was specifically named for them.
1: I don't know. The Crockett.
0: No. (laughs) The Plymouth. The Plymouth? By Chrysler. Walter Chrysler approved the name as a tribute to the stamina and courage of the pilgrims. Oh, Plymouth
1: Plymouth, Massachusetts. Yeah. okay.
0: That's how the car got its
1: name. I didn't Ah, know that. I didn't either. What kind of car did your folks have? My folks
0: mostly had uh, Chevrolets.
1: Yeah, we had that, and uh, Oldsmobiles. Uh, yeah,
0: your dad had that Oldsmobile 88, which we had as one of our first cars together.
1: Oh, he gave it to me for, what, 50 bucks or something <laughs> and had 12,000 horsepower.
0: <laughs> that thing was incredible. You just barely touched the accelerator, and it just oh, lunged. Yeah, but yeah. it was full of rust. It was all rusted and no, everything.
1: Was, I rusted it, Bob, when I was traveling oh, traveling yeah. the world. It. Uh, he was, when I came back, home he was appalled. mortified. he was appalled to see what i did to his baby oh but,
0: my god
1: okay bob time for who am i all right who am <laughs> i
0: let's tell a story about a person bob has to guess who it is
1: okay i'll give it to you in dribbles okay known as the hero of two worlds okay served as a general of great distinction during the revolutionary war
0: Two worlds served as great distinction during the Revolutionary War.
1: Oh, wait, yes. a wait a minute. Could this have been Lafayette? Oh, there's my guy. Two okay. worlds.
0: That's why I got there. Yes. Yeah.
1: Fought in the battles of Brandywine, Rhode Island, and Yorktown. Mm-hmm. And he helped rally French support for the American cause. That's right. And he was best buddy to who? George Washington. That's right. And you know what he named his son? George Washington de Lafayette.
0: Okay. <laughs> did you know that? <laughs> no, I, did, I didn't know that. I didn't
1: know that. He served as a major general when he was just 20 years old under George Washington and he was considered his surrogate son. That's right. That's right. But boy to be 20 and to have that kind of title. <laughs> yeah, but he'd
0: had military training so he was and they came over and yeah, Washington kind of adopted him. Yeah. He came back to the United States for a a tour and actually went to Marietta, Ohio, where my family uh, started to help found back in the 1780s before he died. So he was there.
1: Yeah, he's one of the fascinating characters in history to me, of American history.
0: Marcia, where is the world's oldest jewelry store? I'll give you some choices. Is it London, England, Amsterdam, in the Netherlands, Baghdad, Iraq, Paris, France, or St. Petersburg, Russia? Baghdad. No. It's in your favorite city.
1: St. Petersburg.
0: It's in your favorite city.
1: What were the other choices? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jeez. It's in Paris, Marcia. Ah. Yes. It's been in business for more than 400 years, and it's still operated by the same family that founded it. You see, it's near the glamorous uh, oh, oh. Place Vendôme in Paris. The name of the store is Mallory Diet Melier, and the business dates back to 1613, when an Italian family of jewelers earned the patronage of the rich and powerful Medici family, and their stunning work attracted the attention of Marie Antoinette, the Queen of France, who brought the Italian family to Paris. And since 1815, it's been located near La Place Vendôme, known Mm -hmm. as the jeweler of the queens. You
1: didn't take me there when we were in Paris, Gee, I'm so
0: sorry about that. No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) So now the 15th generation of the family still operates the same family jewelry store in Paris.
1: Wow. I'd like to pay tribute to them, Bob.
0: What, by buying something? <laughs> <laughs> of course.
1: <laughs> Just saying.
0: All right, where does the word hustle come from?
1: Hustle. Word origins. Oh, I remember the hustle when I was a teenager. That, that was a dance, dance, wasn't it? Yes, that was a stupid dance, but they were all were and I loved it.
0: Now, we think of hustle as working hard, but that's not how the word started. Now tell me. Well, according to the New York Times, the verb hustle comes from the Dutch hustlen. H U S S E L E N, meaning to shake or toss. And it was first recorded in the 17th century. Okay. According to the Oxford Dictionary. By the 18th century, it meant to push or knock a person about roughly mm-hmm. or to move hastily, which kind of led to where we are today. And then uh, in 1800, hustle meant to rob someone while pretending to bump into them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. And then yeah. <laughs> you pickpocketed them, yeah. you know? Okay. Hustles became money-making schemes, like hustling drugs and stuff. But today's positive connotation for hustle as a side job can be traced to middle-class African-American families. For instance, in 1964, a New York Times article by a scholar read, The head of the family works at two jobs and occasionally at three. Such supplementary work is known as a hustle. Uh That's where the term side hustle, we call it now, Uh came from. But by the 1990s, hustling became pretty much positive. You hustled to get ahead. If you were a hustler, you were a striver. But originally, it meant to push, to jostle, to knock somebody around, to steal from them. I've got an idea. Let's hustle (laughs) to a break, and then we'll hustle back. Oh, brother. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob. And Marsha. Smith.
1: Okay, Boomer.
0: I'm Robert Rickman, host of Okay Boomer with Robert. Yes, we like to enlighten you with colorful features, Boomer news, Boomer history, but we will also mystify you. And this one coming up in 24, that's going to be really creepy. That's an astronomer standing at ground zero where the 2017 and 2024 eclipse paths will cross over Carbondale, Illinois, the home of OK Boomer with Robert. And you can find OK Boomer with Robert wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we hustled back. (laughs) You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marcia Smith. We do this each week for the Cedarburg Public Library, Cedarburg, Wisconsin, whose internet radio station broadcasts it on Monday nights. Then it goes on podcast platforms all over the world. We invite you to come to our website, theofframp.show, and subscribe to the show. Your podcast app will tell you when a new episode is available.
1: Easter Island, Bob. Uh Uh-huh. It's home of those Moai sculptures.
0: Yes, the big heads.
1: Yes. That belongs to which country? Chile. That's right.
0: It's off the coast of Chile.
1: That's right. Very good. Our friends just went there, That's they? right. I okay. think
0: Randy and Kay Freeman, I think, were just there.
1: Yes. I've never been there. Should we go?
0: Oh, uh, let's just go now. <laughs> okay. We'll just leave now. It's only okay. about, I don't know, how many thousands of miles to get there.
1: Okay. The rivers, Yahtzee, Amazon, Nile and Mississippi, which is the longest.
0: I thought it was the Nile, but it might be the Amazon. Um,
1: that's always the question. Yes
0: it is. It's always and it's only like 2 miles difference. No, for, there's more than that. Oh, it is. Okay. So is it the Amazon is longer? No. Okay, tell me the answer. Okay,
1: the Nile is 4132 miles according to the most recent measurements and then Amazon is 3977. Amazon
0: is 3977.
1: Yeah. And you know it depends where exactly they measure them from, you know, to mouth to port and all that. So anyway, but that's current information from the Encyclopedia Britannica.
0: Thank you very
1: much. So and the Mississippi is like you know two thousand three hundred forty miles, so it's like only half of that.
0: But it's a major river. Oh yeah, it's
1: the longest in North North America. America,
0: Yeah, it subdivides the continent. Yes. Speaking of transportation, which I am because. Rivers are transport. Oh. Places, <laughs> that was you know. a, Okay, that was your.
1: That was. What was the
0: first machine to travel at more than two miles a minute?
1: A uh, machine.
0: Yes, a machine that traveled over one hundred twenty-six miles an hour. The first one.
1: Oh gosh, um, two miles per minute—that's pretty fast. And you
0: know, it's interesting. You go, wow, a machine that traveled that fast—that would be the standard forever. Uh huh. But it never. Caught on. What was it? The Stanley Steamer. Oh, the Stanley Steamer automobile, which was basically a steam engine on wheels, right? Uh huh. And in 1906, a Stanley went the then incredible speed of 127.66 miles per hour, becoming the first machine to exceed a speed of two miles per minute. And a year later, in 1907, Fred Marriott drove a Stanley at somewhere between 150 and 197 miles per hour. We don't know for sure because the car hit a bump, broke into pieces, and nearly killed Marriott. Really? Yeah, so yeah. it was going somewhere between 150 and 197 miles per hour. This is in 1907. That's how long ago speed was such a big deal. It's amazing, isn't it?
1: hmm We think yep. of
0: that as being much more modern. Quinky. You mentioned Model Ts. What was the cost of the first Model T?
1: Ah. Uh, Two hundred dollars.
0: No, that was when they got into big production. That was the lowest oh, cost. So, lowest oh. cost was two hundred ninety dollars. That was in nineteen twenty four. But in nineteen o eight, when it went on sale, what was the cost?
1: What did we pay then? We had it on a lease. What did we pay? The Model <laughs> T. We had
0: <laughs> no. We weren't around then.
1: Oh, okay. I don't know.
0: It was eight hundred fifty dollars. Wow, that's a lot of boxes. Eight hundred fifty, and then they got the cost down to two hundred ninety through mass production.
1: That, that was pretty. the
0: first. Uh, Product that really proved that concept.
1: Okay, Bob, Haggis, H A G G I S, or better known as stuffed sheep stomach, is, <laughs> is the national dish of which country? Is it Scotland, Austria, Greenland, or Macoo?
0: I think it's Greenland. <gasps> No. Well, where is it?
1: It's Scotland.
0: Scotland. Haggis, H-A-G-G-I-S.
1: Yeah, that's uh, stuffed sheep stomach. That's uh, the national dish up there. So if we ever get up there, we know what to order. (laughs) You know how picky you are. I don't know. We'll have to see.
0: I don't know, (laughs) Marsha. Okay, I have a question for you about uh, exercise, okay? Okay. What modern exercise regimen was invented by a former circus performer? What modern exercise regimen or techniques were invented by a former circus performer?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't know. Uh, stretch. No, stretching isn't an exercise, I guess. Um, I don't know what to say. Tell me. Pilates. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool.
0: The inventor of the Pilates fitness program was Joseph Pilates. He was born in a small town near Dusseldorf, Germany, where he developed an interest in gymnastics. And then in 1913, he left Germany for England, where for a time he worked as a circus performer and started to create his own exercise method. He came to the United States and opened up a, uh, an office in 1926 in New York. It started out as something for dancers and actresses and actors. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Some of his very first students took on this low-intensity muscle-stretching workout, and it became a niche strength, mobility, and recovery technique for dancers. George Balanchine, Jerome Robbins, and Suzanne Farrell, and Ron Fletcher were early customers. And guess who? Catherine Hepburn, Lauren <laughs> <Lawrence laughs>
1: Olivier, <laughs> and
0: Lauren Bacall. They were all famous students of Joseph Pilates, but he never called his program that. You know what he called it? Oh. Controlology. Control-o-g, OG, I guess it is. C-O-N-T-R-O-L-O-G-Y. He even wrote a book with that title in 1945, After he died, people started calling it Pilates. It became so mainstream that in 2000, a U.S. court ruled the term generic. They said it's like yoga Uh or aerobics. Anybody can use it. So that's why today there are more than 40,000 Pilates and yoga businesses across the United States.
1: That's amazing. But
0: a former circus performer started it. I didn't know that.
1: Now we all do. Okay. Bob, why is a determined person said to be, quote, Hell-bent for leather.
0: No, they're hustlers. They're hustlers, Marcia. <laughs> hell-bent for leather. Well, this sounds like a cowboy term. It does. Hell-bent for leather. Does it go back farther than that? Uh, does it go back to Shakespeare or something like that?
1: No. So is it a cowboy term? No. All right, well, tell me.
0: <laughs> he didn't know. No, no, no. Okay,
1: hell-bent means the disturbed subject is in a big hurry and extremely determined to achieve a goal. And the four leather part derives from an 1889 reference to horseback riding, hmm. with the leather being the bridle and saddle. The expression at that time then meant riding very fast, and it began as hell for leather. Why, a
0: why does the bent come in? Where was that Well, from?
1: because it was bent out of shape, meant extremely upset or weird, hell-bent meaning to be in a big hurry.
0: But you're so disturbed, you're hell-bent. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> for leather. And I the did, leather what, came from... What a from, strange thing. And
1: it, it just was an expression that meant riding very fast. For example, it's like go like hell or run like hell.
0: Wow, okay.
1: As of 2023, Bob, can you name any of the five top Google Word searches? Okay,
0: I would think maybe COVID is still big.
1: No, I think that was probably 2022.
0: No, 20 and 21, 22. yeah. Um, hmm. Are these trade names by any chance?
1: Well, some of them okay. are. Okay.
0: Um, let's see. <laughs> now, what would they be? <laughs>
1: well, coming in at the bottom is Gmail. People are always looking up Gmail. What do you
0: mean at the bottom?
1: Number five okay. is Gmail.
0: All right. That's one That's one that people search for.
1: Sure. Oh, okay. You want to find or get to your own Gmail. I do that. I oh, just... but I
0: have it already bookmarked. Yeah,
1: I do too. But if I'm somewhere else, I'll have oh, to put it in. Okay, right? that
0: makes sense. Yeah.
1: Google is number four.
0: People go on Google, looking for Google.
1: Yes, number three, <laughs> another one I put in. They every... must be
0: using another search engine to look for Google, I <laughs> yeah, guess, okay. that's
1: true, I hadn't thought of that. Weather is number three. Oh, that makes sense. Number two is Facebook. Oh. And number one is YouTube. God, I think those two things would be,
0: if you really go to those things, you'd have them normaled in or bookmarked. Yeah,
1: but if you're if you're somewhere else on a different kind of, what if you're at work? You don't want those apps on your desktop, that's do That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. And what's curious about this is that global searches are almost identical, except... Also in the top five globally is WhatsApp web search. Oh, okay. So there you go.
0: Wow. I never thought of all those things. I would think of regular words for the top searches. Uh Uh-huh. But now...
1: Yeah, well, last year it was. You're right.
0: Now these are companies people yeah. are searching for their products online. I've tried. Yeah. Okay, what about Amazon? I would have thought that would have been a big one to put in.
1: Well, that everybody just has on their desktop.
0: Oh, there's oh, all <laughs> I see. Everybody. That's your just because you do. Oh, everybody's got that that's on their a, desktop. Just because I am the the purchasing queen. That's
1: the wallet sucking app.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not the only one. Oh my goodness. Okay. All right, let's see. Here's another question for you. Okay. All right, Marcia, another transportation question, okay? Okay. History. Mm -hmm. What form of transportation gave Americans 11 billion individual rides in 1917?
1: Okay. Was it horse and carriages?
0: Not necessarily.
1: Was it trolleys?
0: It was trolley cars. Okay. Yeah. I can't believe this. I knew they were prolific, but in 1917, U.S. trolley car ridership reached 11 billion rides yearly, with connecting lines between major cities as well as intercity transportation. You know how many electric streetcars there were back then? This Mm -hmm. is amazing because, you know, this transportation is pretty much gone, right, by now. In that year... No,
1: we're bringing it back Well, we're
0: bringing it (laughs) back. But in 1917, there were more than 80,000 electric streetcars covering 45,000 miles of track, more than double the numbers of cars and miles of track at the turn of the century. So in that first 20 years, it exploded. It was even possible to travel from eastern Wisconsin to central New York State, more than a 1,000 miles, you could pay a nickel to ride to the end of the line. a 1,000 miles. Oh, my
1: God. That's that, quite a line they got there, isn't well, it? Well,
0: it was from Wisconsin to central New York State oh on
1: trolleys. <laughs> okay, Bob. I have three quick thoughts for the day. Okay. All from unknown sources. When a person says they approve of something in principle, it means they haven't the slightest intention of putting it into practice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The trouble with doing nothing is it's too difficult to tell when you are finished. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. (laughs) And lastly, we middle-class Americans love pro sports. Because it's our only chance to boo a bunch of millionaires in their faces.
0: That's true. (laughs) I think some people do take a perverse uh, reaction to sports that way. Yeah. Oh, dear. You get your
1: millions. Sure, you almost get killed every day. Yeah, but I
0: mean, I don't care what you get paid, what those people go through. It's amazing what they put themselves through. That's why I think of all the celebrities, the people that really earn their money Mm -hmm. are athletes. Yeah, You know, a lot of celebrities, movie stars and stuff, eh, I don't know, they got stunt people for a lot of that stuff. But man, these people are physically putting themselves on the line like warriors, you know.
1: Good point, Bob. Okay. All right.
0: Thanks for joining us today. (laughs) Hope you've enjoyed our show today, and we invite you to come back when we return with more fascinating facts and tantalizing trivia with The The Off -ramp. Ramp. The Off Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarburg Public Library, Cedarburg, Wisconsin. Visit us on the web at theofframp.show.